taking notes. Praise and worship will change the circumstances surrounding your situation. When you face insurmountable odds, get away. Whether it's in a place of a store that nobody is around, and if you can't lift your hands, find a rack or something. I've been there to put your hands on and say, Lord, I come to you today. You know the issues. I thank you that you got my back. God will honor that. God will honor it. I'll just set the stage for this. Jehoshaphat in Chronicle, Second Chronicles chapter 20, from about uh, verse 12 to verse 25, uh, I urge you to read it, and then read it again, and then read it again. Look for specific and particular words that are there. The uh, <clears throat> the children of Israel stood up and said, we're facing insurmountable odds. What's going on and all the armies that are coming against us, we can't do this. One of the Levites got be before the Lord and heard God say, Jehoshaphat, uh, children of Israel, listen to me, inhabitants of Jerusalem, listen to me. God said, we're not going to have to fight this battle. He has our battle for us. Now, and the Levites, the children of, all the children, oh, these names are not Newfoundland names. <laughs> they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice with a loud voice. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and all inhabitants of Israel. Believe in the Lord your God, and ye shall be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Now, verse 21, and we had, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers. That's your praise and worship team. Mm -hmm. He appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of his holiness. These are specific phrases. And they went out against the armies and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercies endureth forever. That's a Hasid and a covenant statement. And as they went forth, and it said that, and when they started to sing, that's when the, <clears throat> the armies that were coming against them turned against themselves. They were all killed. They were outnumbered so much that it was insurmountable odds, but they listened to what God had to say. <clears throat> I'm going to take you back many years. About 1979, I was driving home from Ontario, from college with a friend of mine. 
he lived in Bayvert, so we stopped in Bayvert. And it so happened that that weekend there was a man from a Bible school, Dr. Rotz, his name was, and he was speaking, and it was Sunday night, and they asked me to go to the piano and just play as he ministered. After he preached, he started praying for this one, that one. A lot of people came up around the front, and I was just playing the piano. Then he would pray for somebody else, and it seems that I'd just play a different song. This went on then until everybody was prayed for, and everybody had left the church, and I was just sitting there playing. I got up, not to thank you, sir, and started to walk out. He said, young man, please come here. Yes, sir. He said, I don't do this. I, I don't do this. But God impressed on my heart so much to tell you that as I was praying for this one for healing, the song that you were playing on the piano went right along with exactly what was needed for that person. I said, that's very nice, sir. But then I went to this person. The song changed to, and I had no idea who these people were, what the issues were, and what they were coming for prayer for. And he said, five, six, seven, and you played a different song. Now, he said, God told me to tell you something. I said, yes, sir. As you cultivate and practice and work on the gift that God has given you, People will be healed. People will be saved. I said, thank you, sir. Left and went out. Never gave it much thought. I didn't think I was much of a piano or a keyboard player. Until Sue called me from the hospital and said, I have cancer. It's not looking very good. They have to operate within a couple of days. Can you go home? Excuse me. <laughs> and sit to the piano and record something and bring it in for me to listen to it. That night, I put the boys, three boys, under 12, to bed. Went down to the living room. I had the little Yamaha half of the keyboard. Pushed record. Started to play. Stop. I remember what the man said. Now, Lord, it's this is where the rubber meets the road. It's either true or it's not true. My wife is in hospital, and the doctor said, I don't know if she'll live through the night. So, pushed record. And I played. And out of me that night came the basis of Secret Places. Mm -hmm. A lot of you may know the CD and the tape. So I brought the tape in the next morning, stopped off at what was then Radio Shack, put it in the tape. It played back and forth and back and forth. It was about an hour long tape. <clears throat> I 
And over the next few months, the doctor said, I don't know that there's anything else we can do. And it went into months and years, and she took a turn for the worst. And the doctor said, I think we'll put you into hospice, into palliative care, and we'll be able to help you with the pain until the end. How many here know Sue? <laughs> and that's what I want. I'm going home. I have three children to raise. She came home. I gave up work at that time to look after her, pick up the boys, bring them to school. I was a photographer at the time. And she would listen to this tape backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. Put it on the stereo so I can hear it and feel it. Everybody that heard it said, oh, I got to get a copy of that. That's, that's really nice. So <clears throat> she's had to go back to the doctor at one point every week, <clears throat> then every two weeks, then every month. And after a few months, Muslim doctor, very nice man, said, um, this is not at all going at all the way I expected it to go. <laughs> no, she says. And the doctor said, I have to do more tests, pretty invasive tests. And she went back to get the results. Mrs. Hammond, what is it you're doing? She said, I sit and listen to a tape of my husband playing the piano. It's worship music. And I listen to Phil Driscoll, Warriors. He said, I can't find any cancer. <laughs> but what she did is not sit down and say, well, God, I guess we're at this point where I might get to see you pretty soon. And uh, no. Her words were, I will live and not die. I will declare the goodness of God. <laughs> you guys messed me all up tonight. <laughs> yep. Those words that that man said many years before, I sat to the piano and I said, God, it's either true or it's not true. This is where the rubber meets the road. My faith hinges on this right now. And I'm at a place where I need divine intervention for my wife. And she was healed. Amen. Bless God, she was healed. She worshipped every waking hour of the day. Worship is such a vital, vital, vital part of not only when we come to church and we offer our praise and our gratitude and just open ourselves to God. It has to be in this day. It has to be every waking hour. Yeah. It's not popular right now to be a Christian, much less to be a spirit-filled Bible talk, Bible Toting, tongue talking, believer in God. Not just, yeah, 
I've got my fire insurance, I'm going to heaven. But to be somebody in the streets day after day, that when they see you, there, there's, there's a special person, there's something about him that I need to know about. People have come to me and asked, what makes you so different? And at work, one of the foremen found out as a Christian, he didn't like it. I was blacklisted for some of the things he did. But I even put oil and I prayed over the entrance and the exit of the city. Now I have the best foreman that has ever worked for the city. And he said, I can't give anybody any time off um, now. We're just too busy. I said, well, I'd really like to go to Halifax. Okay, Dave, put in the paperwork. I'll make it happen. Yep. Yep. Now that I'm totally off of my notes, I don't know why I even uh, make these notes anyways. Can anybody here remember when 110 Thorn, it was a morning service, Lucy McKee was there, and there was a lot of carpet layers there that day. Um, Lucy had gotten a copy of that tape, and she met Sue, and she said, I want to I meet that man. I was just sitting down. The service had just started. And she said, you're the bus driver, and I know you know how to get us there. Could you go to the piano and take me to where we need to go? And she was saying that she had to pray and get into intercession that she couldn't say anything about. And she even asked for the sound to be not recorded. And they wheeled out an office chair for her to sit in. And I just started to play. Now, Lord, direct me. And you, you said that people would be healed. People would be saved. Situations would be changed. When, and I'm just, I'm just here honoring the woman of God. And God told me at the exact time to, to stop. And I said, okay, and I just finished, and I just sat there. They had to wheel Lucy out. And on her way out, I was just stood back. And she looked up and she said, few people have taken me to this place of worship. And let's be straight here that this is not about me at all. Each one of you have gifts. God has placed in your hearts things that you are good at. Even if it's at Tim Hortons and you see someone, I'd like to buy your coffee today. And someone fills up in tears and says, nobody has ever done that for me before. There's something that God has in store for you that you can bless and help yeah. other people. Yeah. Mm. Last November, I was in um, in Houston, Texas. I played saxophone with the 
tribe of Judah band, and we had some wonderful meetings, wonderful, wonderful times. We always do when we go there. And Sue was speaking with these <clears throat> ladies that were there, and, oh, look, she says, there he is. He played at our church. And Sue said, come over. Do these people know you? I said, okay, uh, wh where do I know you from? You play it at our church. I go to Lynn and Mac Hammond's church. I said, I, I've, I've, I've never been there. <clears throat> she said, yes, you were. And her son came over and says, oh, look, ma'am, that's the guy that played at our church. I said, to the best of my knowledge, you know, I, I've never been to Lynn and Mac Hammond's church. I'd love to go and visit. And she started describing the church, the piano, the songs I played. Sometime years before that, I had this dream. And it was more than a dream. It was as if I was somewhere and I told her about the piano. I said, the windows, I remember. She says, that's our church. She described the dream I had that I had. And I said, uh, I don't know about this. This is, this is out there. I went to Pastor Ben. He's the international president and founder of the tribe of Judah. I said, the lady said that I was at her church playing. Yes, he said. I said, are you? Really? We have an obligation to the lost people of the world to let our light shine before them so that they may see us but see God in us and glorify God. Praise and worship is something that's going to prepare you for where you're going and what you have to do. I can't tell you what that is. You have to get before God and find that. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word every day. You have to be in the Word. I get the daily devotions from Pastor Paul. There's not a day I miss reading those. You need to read those. If I miss a day for some reason, I'll read two the next day. And I send them on to other people that I've spoken to. And people um, that I know, there, there's ministers, Salvation Army ministers, uh, that I send them to them every day. And people, there was a, a lady in the restaurant. She said, I need to know God the way you know God. So let me send you these devotionals every day. It's imperative. Our life depends on it. You guys, like Pastor Paul said, you don't know what you got till you go somewhere else. I've been the somewhere else's, and you guys have it. This, this place should be full. And there's coming a move of God that we need to be prepared for so that we can bring in people. And we're in the last of the last of the last days. There's a passage of Scripture that um, is probably one of my favorite. Acts chapter 16, 
and no doubt you all know about Paul and Silas. Mm-hmm. They went to preach, and there is this young girl that uh, were following following them, saying. These are the ministers. These are the guys of the most high God. Listen to what they have to say. And it came to the point where, listen, will you shut up? And he cast that spirit out of her. She was saying the right thing with the wrong spirit. And there there was a, a spirit of divination in her. And... So anyway, they were thrown into jail, but not only in jail. It says they were thrust in to the inner prison. And if you study that out and read about it, that's not a pretty place. And they were not complaining. Now, Paul, look what you got me into this time. This place is disgusting. My hands are hurting. My feet are in these stocks. And they didn't say that. They were worshiping, praising God, and all the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly, everything that you've been praying for, everything that you've been believing for, and suddenly, expect the suddenly. There was the earthquake, and it shook the prison shook off their leg irons, their handcuffs. And the jailer woke up, saw all the doors opened, and was about to kill himself. And Paul sang out and said, do yourself no harm. We are all here. I read that and read that, and I read that. And I read that, and I read it again. Why or how did the prisoners stay when the doors were opened? I come from a family of colorful pasts. Many of them are presently in jail or have been in jail for extended periods of time, and they seem to get out for a holiday and go back again. And I'll I'll tell you that if their handcuffs are off and the doors are out of, are opened, they're out of there like Jack the Rat. They are they are out of there. But what kept them there? Why didn't they run? They were singing praises loudly. They were in the presence of God. And suddenly. I'm thinking that that may be the first or one of the first accounts of the presence of God being so rich, so powerful, like that morning with Lucy McKee. We experienced that there, that nobody could move if they wanted to. They were so captivated by the power of God. And what was the result? The jailer took them home washed them all up, gave them something to eat, and all of his family came, became believers. What happened in Second Chronicles chapter 2? They not only didn't have to uh, 
fight the battle. But they were victors and even more than conquerors because it took three days to bring home the spoil. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Hath not I commanded thee? This is not a suggestion. The stop sign at the, road, at the end of the road is not a suggestion. The police officer will let you know. Hath not I commanded thee to be strong? Be of good courage, for I am with you wherever you go. Now, that's true for us today. If that was true for the old covenant, we have a new and better covenant. God is there. He's there. He's closer than our next breath. We may, may not feel it sometime, but when the ladies come up and do the music, engage in worship. Don't just sit there, sing the words, and think you're doing something good. Get this inside of you. This is vital for today. I have a wife that is alive and well today because of worship. We all know of instances, circumstances where things have happened, things have changed. Praise and worship Will, cha will change the circumstances surrounding your situation. So get into it. Don't get into it to your ankles or your knees. I'll use the analogy, get into till it. Get in there and make sure your hands are up. Did you ever reach out your hand to shake someone's hand and they pull their hand back and lift your hand hanging there? It's, it's not a nice feeling. And this is how I see worship. God is there with his hand out. I'm here with my hands up. I'm not leaving God hanging. The yada, these are action appendages of your body. Your feet are movable, motion. We need to be in motion using our bodies, our whole beings. David danced before the Lord in worship. Let's see if there's anything on the next page. I didn't say anything that I had on the first page, so why should it be anything on the... <laughs> Mark chapter 11. I think Kenneth Hagin wrote that and put it in the Bible. When you stand praying and worshiping, forgive. Don't go holding grudges. It's like you're holding something on some, say, a piece of paper on somebody's back. They're walking around. You're holding. You're you're holding it. You're going wherever they're going. Don't hold a grudge. And when you stand praying and worshiping, forgive. Forgive. And this will open the doors of heaven, the windows of heaven, and he will pour out a blessing and there shall not be enough room to receive it. Are we there yet? I'm expecting to be there. On our way. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. 
We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.